start the season, Coach, and the first goal is obviously the district championship, and then there's a second goal, which is to be practicing on Thanksgiving, and for the fifth year in a row here at Westlake in your tenure, you get to check that box off, and one of the better events, and it was well attended now that school's off for the entire week, the Turkey Bowl is probably one of the coolest events and, and one of the things that culturally means a whole lot to Westlake on Thanksgiving week. It's a time for us to get all of our seniors, guys that have been on our attack team, that bust their tail every week, that get to play in the regular season uh, as much as we can put them in. Now we're in the playoffs, and sometimes their playing time doesn't uh, come along as much. To get out there and get some great reps uh, in front of a crowd, it allows 22 JV bring-ups to get some reps. It's just fun, and we love having an opportunity to, you know, to have the community come out. It's starting to take hold now. When I first got here, no one really understood what I was trying to get done with that. And of course, the first year we were here, we never made it to Thanksgiving. But it's something we talk about, though. I mean, if you if you're practicing on Thanksgiving morning and you have the turkey bowl, you've made it to the final 16. And I don't care what you say, uh, and I'm not lowering the bar or anything like that. Our kids are going to keep fighting hard. But you can be proud. If you're in the final 16 every year, but uh, as I was saying before, Hunter Powell, young safety, he was the MVP of the Turkey Bowl today. MVP of the Turkey Bowl, and then you have guys, uh, seniors that have been a part of the program for a long time, like Jack Hoover, who get to score a touchdown. The psychology of, of the Turkey Bowl is also unique because it allows a little bit of fun to seep in on an otherwise very busy work week. Your week completely changes. It's almost like you revert back to camp schedule, which is, I know, very beneficial as you prepare for a game on Friday. Well, it has the work schedule. We don't practice as early in the morning because we don't have school. So there's no need for me to get our players up and practice from 530 till 8 in the morning. Uh, I can let them rest a little bit more. So we've been bringing our players in at 830 during uh, Thanksgiving week and keeping them till 1 o'clock. And what we do is we get everything that we normally would get done in a full day during that time. We practice. We have video. We lift weights. uh, We have special teams meetings. So we just make sure that on any given day we get everything done that we normally would. Obviously, you have an opportunity to watch some extra video with them, uh, and you also have an opportunity to get them off their feet a little bit more. And I'm I'm looking forward to this weekend. I really think we're going to have a very fresh, fast team. We have been very efficient in practice. We have cut back some things. Uh, the one thing you want to do this time of year, you know, they've been banging each other all year long. Uh, we're still going to stay, you know, from a technique on blocking and tackling, but you know, not not near as many people go to the ground come playoff time. And you know, the biggest thing is to stay healthy and get get them to the next game. I think it works for the kids, too. Not having that, that alarm clock going off at 4.30 or 4.45 in the morning, not having to hustle. And then from a time management standpoint, I know that that's big here at Westlake. Obviously, the school demands are still very much in play. Although they may be off for a week, there's still finals down the road. But there's a lot of an opportunity for this week for them to get caught up. What does that do for them from a mental standpoint as you coach them through this week? Well, it's something that we absolutely are asking for, is for them to, to make sure we take advantage of this. Take advantage of rest, take advantage of hydration, take advantage of uh, your diet. I've had years before that Thanksgiving week has really concerned me on getting off the schedule. Our players right now, they're pretty regimented. They have to go to bed pretty early to be able to get up at 445 and be functional every day during the season. You know, sometimes you get to Thanksgiving, you get sleep a little bit, maybe stay up later and everything. I've been really proud of them this week because we've had really good, efficient practices. They've come to practice with joy in their heart. They've come with a little pep in their step. Uh, and that's what we want this time of year. The, the last thing that I want around us is anybody who's moping around because you know what? We're still playing football. 
Do you have any food rules on Thanksgiving when it comes? I know they're used to having a really big meal with team dinners on Thursday, but it can get away from you. And I know you practice in the morning for Thanksgiving. Are there any food rules that you have for everybody? No, I don't even go there. <laughs> I tell them all the time. I said, you know, we're, I'm going to talk to you when it's time for football here in the field house. I expect your undivided attention. I said, I'm not going to go into your math class. I'm not going to go to lunch with you and your girlfriend and try to get in your business. You know, I'm not going to be in, sitting in your inner circle at lunch and getting your business. And I dang sure you're not going to get into their Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think you look at the game at Brennan coaches, we switch gears and, and, and find out what you learn. Because I think the theme of all of our conversations over the last six seasons has always been, what do you learn from game to game and how do you use that information to get better? And it's really a mantra that I think is starting to take hold with everybody in the field house to understand what could have gone better. It's not so much that what went wrong, but I think you found out that the defensive front, Shaq Flag. He can play football, and he can play football at a high level. And I think you saw the best that Brennan had to offer from a defensive standpoint. And you need a game like that every now and then. How was learning from Brennan and going into Westlaco East this week? Well, we were able to point out some things that happened in our state, in our division, in our bracket, and then reflect on our game. So you, you point out Beaumont Westbrook played Strake Jesuit. Uh, Beaumont Westbrook beat Strake Jesuit in, the, in non-district by 40 points. Uh, Strake Jesuit beat Beaumont Westbrook 65-35 to 35 last Friday night. Longview was the defending state champion, rightfully so, most people's pick to repeat. They got beat by a Dallas Jesuit 27-25. Then I point out to our players, we won against Brennan, who is every bit as good as straight Jesuit and Dallas Jesuit. I said, y'all going to have to take my word on this. I promise you, we were able to put together a 24-6 win when we didn't play our very best. Just because you don't play well sometimes is not mean because you didn't play well. A lot of it has to do because you're playing good people in the playoffs. It was such a good thing for us from a standpoint I can remind our kids that we have to evaluate every team that we play at their very, very best. When you're playing someone, you absolutely should be. The preparation for Westlaco East, here's another team that you know obviously had to figure out what their identity was going to be. They win a double overtime a, a game against Maynard of all teams, but then they go 0-3 in the rest of their non-district games and then come back and just plow through their district. And it's not like their district doesn't have star power. The teams that Westlake has played in the third round of the last two seasons, Vela on the other end of an overtime win against Westlaco East. So this is a team that ran the table in their district won the district championship and have managed to figure out a way to play without throwing the football. It might seem like a, a tongue-in-cheek question is, how do you turn a team one-dimensional that is already one-dimensional? Because if there's one thing that the Wildcats do, they run the ball. I don't know that you do turn someone, you know, when you've passed it for 295 and you've rushed it for 4,300. And they did ha have three losses, which still are baffling to me. The district that they're in is the top 6A district in the Valley. Proofs in a pudding as far as the long playoff runs that these different teams have made. I mean, they've got Vila, and then they've got Westlake High, and they beat them both. The biggest thing is that we've got to do, and you and I visited about this earlier, is that, you know, defensively, a goal outside the goal board this week will be to, let's see how many third and five plus that we can force during the game. A lot of people, when talking about the game of football, turn third down into something that uh, is kind of like the holy grail of success in a, in a football game. That may be true, but in games like this, and I think of how fortunate Westlake is to be in this position to have faced teams that are run-heavy offense. You know, you think of the Hayes game, and our conversation during that week was, okay, what are you going to do differently? But then you start talking about first down. You know, you said something earlier in our conversation off the air about this is, 
okay, well, they're not afraid on fourth and two, but what are they going to be on third and five? And if you can stop them on third and five, what are they going to do on fourth and five? And it really comes down to situational football. Can you expand on that, on how important being good on first down leads to being good on third and fourth? Yeah, well, you're exactly right, Joe, as far as third down is where all the talking heads everywhere want to talk about third down. And it's important. It's the money down and everything. But probably more should be put on first down. A team like them is if they get three yards on first downs, that's a win. But that's going to be a down and distance that we're going to have to play really, really well on. You cannot allow them to stay, and you see why they've rushed for 4,300 yards. Apparently, someone hasn't made them throw the ball, and maybe they don't ever want to throw the ball. We have to make sure, kind of like we did against Hayes, and you know this is the third round of playoffs, so we're not entitled to anything. We have to do a deal where we keep them pinned into their own end of the field, and if they do make first downs, they don't make two, and, and, and force punts and, and force that great field position that we've had all year long. And then flip to the offensive side of the ball, what we have to do is make sure that we maximize uh, the possessions that we have. Ramsey Vasquez, obviously, everybody's going to get used to seeing number four, the primary runner out of the quarterback position. We can talk about how successful he's been in orchestrating this, but listed as a free safety. So this is a guy that actually is an all-around football player and and not asked to do a whole lot in the passing game like we've alluded to, but it really starts with how good they are up front. You you can talk about size, but what do you do with that size? Well, Westlaco East has done a lot with their size up front on the offensive line. They definitely know who they are. I've talked to people down there that I know in the Valley and, you know, this is what they do. This is how they want to play it. Instead of playing a whole lot of seven-on-seven, they're big into powerlifting, their entire program. Powerlifting is really big in the Valley in general, but they're a big, powerful football team, and that's the way that they want to play it. You know, offensively, you know, I don't know that there's a a better rushing team in the state of Texas. I don't know. I mean, it'd be be hard to find, you know, over 360 yards a game. And then defensively, they kind of go hand-in-hand. On offense, they want to stay on the field. They want to snap the ball with about three seconds left to go. They want to keep making first downs. On defense, they kind of are a bend-don't-break a little bit. Tough kids, but they like to shorten football games. In doing so, on the defensive side of the ball, they try to control the line of scrimmage. You know, you break down each of these 12 games, Coach, and you can find out real fast, especially in district play, they've managed to shut teams out to really dominate on the defensive side of the ball. The thing that we've got to make sure that we do, if and they're pretty multiple on defense, if they're playing a light box, you know, we've got to be able to run the football better than we did last week. Uh, if they are going to play a one-high look, we've got to be able to take, you know, our what I call our bang home passing game, and then that's, you know, that's our short control passing game, and use it as run game. You know, we have to be able to formation to get the matchups that we want to create explosives within our base passing attack. I'm excited about about this Friday. I told our players, I said, we may play 16 games and, you know, the Lord willing, we may win a state championship. You never know. I said, we probably will never be as good as we could be, though. You know, last year, you know, North Shore won the state championship. I bet they weren't as good as they absolutely could have been. No, I'm not sure everybody reaches their potential, but we're going to try to get awfully close. And then that's what our you know charges to each other each week i think that that really is the grind defined perfectly you're never going to be as good as you can be but how can you be good enough at this point in time and i think that really speaks to some of the senior leadership on this ball club you know you have your guys that have expectations to be in good players and, and to be very productive for you but then you have guys that show up in the middle of the season that get better when i watch zane miners on third down and a passing when i watch zane miners throw a block for his quarterback eight weeks ago 
you probably couldn't do that. But now here in week 11, you are. And as much fun as it's been to watch Zane mature from an offensive weapon, it speaks to what Jackson Coker and Mason Mangum and Ryan Lindley and Luke Nicholas already do. What do you do without the ball? That really tells you where you are as a player. Well, Zane Miners, if Zane blocked in week one, two, and three, and four the way he blocks now, he'd probably be a thousand yard rusher right now because he probably would have been playing a lot more and would have been handing the ball to him a lot more. You're not going to play unless you're a three down back. And he has absolutely become that. And, and it's, it's a really nice one, two punch. And we've talked about that with those two and they're getting better. And, and I tell them all the time that the best thing about both of them is they're back again next year. We finish with how special of a season Ryan Lindley is having, not from a number standpoint. You know, we talk about the 18 touchdowns and we can talk about the thousand yards receiving. That's great. It's another example and another teachable moment to the rest of the locker room is do what you can while you have the time. Ryan Lindley was afforded just the small one-year window of time, and he's taking everything out of it and not wishing away one moment of it, and it's turned into something that you can really teach the locker room about. I'll take Jackson Coker. I'll take Ryan Lindley. I'll take Mason Mangum. I'll take Leo Lowen. I'll take those four guys. Anybody who watches Chaparral football would say those are probably four of the top seven absolute best players that we have on our team. You take four guys like that that are four of your hardest workers, most invested. Their care factor is, is high, high. you got a chance to really be good because what it does is it, it, it affects the rest of the team. They're leading, and they don't even say anything. Ryan Lindley is a really good leader. He, he, he's a vocal leader, but all he has to do is do what he does. I'll never forget this kid. Not what It'd be really hard to forget him, but it's such a unique story uh, that I'll always embrace and be able to tell other kids and I actually shared this with Riley very similar situation that's played that played on the JV for them at South Lake Carroll that was penciled in to be a starter and it happened in the middle of the summer where just like Ryan and uh, I told him I said hey if you ever need someone to talk to I got someone because he's lived through this and, and all he's doing is balling out every night coach as always thanks for the time good luck thank you